All right, before we get another episode of Swings and Mishes underway, I want to remind you that NCAA basketball is hot and heavy. We got March Madness coming up a month from now. We'll have the baseball season, of course, and the NBA just passed the trade deadline. What a great time to go over to BetDSI.com and enter promo code SWINGS101. They're going to match your first deposit up to $2,500. I said that right. They will match your deposit up to $2,500. They've been in business for almost two decades. The payouts are fast. And a lot of people this time of the year are looking for something to do. It's the end of the football season, and we haven't quite hit baseball or college basketball. Well, you may want to get involved and throw some money down on some of these college basketball games. Again, it's BetDSI.com. Use promo code SWINGS101. And make sure that you tell them that Swings and Mishes sent you. Again, Swings101, BetDSI.com, matching your deposit up to $2,500. Fast payouts. They've been in business for almost two decades. Proud sponsor of the Swings and Mishes podcast. Hello, Marlins fans, and welcome to the episode that you have all been waiting for this yes. season. Yes. It is finally over. The JT Real Muto saga is done. He is headed to Philadelphia. Wow. Uh, Craig, <laughs> I know, I know this is a, uh, a, a special day in many fronts, uh, and an interesting day in many fronts for the Marlins, but for you, as you've been following this story throughout, uh, for those of you who, who might just be listening for the first time, by the way, I'm Jeremy Taché, the producer of Swings and Mishes, joined by Craig Mish, our trusty host, uh, the man who brings you all the information has kept you up to date. As we've gone through this whole process, this entire offseason, and what feels like the longest trade saga, definitely, of ever, ever, especially ever, ever, ever I can remember. I mean, yeah, a year, I, a year of talks. I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's wild. And so, I mean, here we are. He's been traded for Sixto Sanchez, for Will Stewart, and for Jorge Alfaro, uh, and then some international pool money. And Craig, right. I'm just wondering what your initial thoughts are on JT's ultimate trade in division, but to the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, I mean, we learned a lot from this trade. I don't even know where to begin. Um, I mean, I guess we can start back when the Marlins were, were shopping him uh, during the season, and I think even after the season. I don't think that they really had anything strong enough to pull the trigger in July or even at the end of last year. And they planned on holding him for another year. But initially some of the stories that we heard were, was that he wasn't going to be traded in the division, which obviously I said that would definitely wouldn't make a difference. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then kind of as time went on, it became apparent that there were only going to be a real, you know, short handful of teams that were going to really pursue JT. And in the end, there was a lot of twists and turns with this. And, you know, we could spend a lot of time going back and forth of all the things that I heard throughout the process. And I did hear a lot of things. But I really think in the end, what the Marlins were looking for is the highest rated prospect in anybody's system and as high as they could possibly get in Major League Baseball. That's what it seemed to be. So any team that was going to come in, and offer the best prospect, whether it was Sixto Sanchez or Philadelphia. Uh, you know, you could throw out, for example, we had heard discussions last year. The Marlins asked this year was Ozzy Albies or, or Bellinger. You know, all you got to do is go to Baseball America or MLB Pipeline yeah. and pull up the top 10, top 15 guys. And I'm not saying that that's how the Marlins determined to make this specific trade with Philadelphia. But obviously their choice here, because I know of at least another player that was involved in a different deal, their choice here was to shoot as high as they possibly could 
for the most sure thing player that they possibly could. And in the end, they determined that it was uh, Sixto Sanchez, who is now obviously going to be judged in this trade with JT. I mean, that is, that is going to be the key with the trade. And uh, JT will spend the next two years in Philadelphia, maybe longer. We'll just have to see how that plays out. And obviously a player here that you could go back on my timeline for many, many years that I projected that I thought that would end up being this good. I didn't think he'd be the best catcher in baseball, but he really right. has become that him or you know, Yadier Molina to this point. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, the interesting part of this was that in my process of reporting, which you can also go back and take a look on Twitter, uh, I, I went back to look to see when I discussed Philadelphia. And it was back on the 12th of December, I put out a tweet saying that the only way that the Phillies would really be involved was if they got crazy. And you can actually find that tweet on Twitter. You could see it. I'm not going to retweet it or do anything like that. But because uh, I didn't genuinely believe that the Phillies were in until the end. Right. So it would be me just you know, BSing people. I'm not going to do that. But that's what I heard back then. Wow, you know, it's going to take something nuts. Like, they're really going to have to get crazy. They're going to have to trade their best guy. And they did. Right. So they get back him. They get back Alfaro, who's okay. You know, he'll catch. He's a good defensive catcher. That's fine. And then, as you mentioned, the third piece in the deal, we'll just have to see him, uh, you know, progress in terms of uh, what he's going to end up being. So, in the end, I think the Marlins did well here. We'll never know. I thought they did very well with the Brewers trade last year. That's still a little bit to be determined. Same with the Cardinals and, and Ozuna and even Gordon and some of the others. So, uh, really, for me, it's not emotional for me, uh, but it is kind of a officially closing the door on the old regime of the Miami right. Marlins. This was the last player, good, really good player left. And now we're looking at a complete start over. And I think you can start judging the, uh, the franchise starting now. I think you can start to put those judgments together. So sorry for the long winded answer there, but that's kind of the way that I see it. I don't know if that made sense. No, it made a lot of sense. And, and the irony is, is we've been talking about since basically we started this podcast that whenever JT Romuto was traded would be the official kind of start of when you could judge, just like you just said right now of we just anticipated that being a little bit earlier, just a little bit closer to right after the season and and having a full off season of, of paying attention to, to think that the Victor Victor Mesa and Victor Mesa junior signings were so long ago. And that felt like it was going to be the rejuvenation of, of this whole conversation. You know, when, when going to that though, you've got Sixto Sanchez who, like you mentioned in the, in the latest MLB pipeline, he's the 27th best prospect in baseball. They had him as the seventh ranked right-handed pitcher just Mm -hmm. underneath, uh, underneath Soroka out in, in Atlanta. Um, you know, Jorge Alfaro at one point was a top 100 prospect. He's been he up with the Phillies yeah. for a couple of years, and there's some potential there clearly to still be untapped. Um, you know, Alfaro is is now going to be your everyday catcher. With Obviously, sure. they, they re-signed Brian Holiday, and I'm just, you know, when you look at what this is going to turn into this year for the Marlins, you know, now that JT is gone, yeah. Yeah. What, what's your Let's, reaction to yeah, what we got to we got to be real honest about the 2019 Marlins this is not going to be a pretty season this mm-hmm. is going to be a very very difficult uh on-field product I, I there's just no other way to put it maybe there will be some surprises this year maybe uh, some guys will develop that we don't expect but based on what they've done and what they've signed this is not an indictment of the direction that they're going I am no. fully in this direction this is the way that they should be going the Marlins as bad as it sounds, 
should be, again, drafting in 2020 at the top of the draft. This team right. is nowhere near being ready to compete. All of their best players and best pro- projects are in the minors or now with Victor Victor internationally, Victor Victor Mesa. 2019 is a wash year. So the Marlins, as an organization, they've done a really good job reengaging the fan base for sure. Now they have to figure out a way that when or if the product on the field is not going to be very good, they're going to have to figure out, continually figure out ways to bring fans to the ballpark and, um, and engage fans as well. So, right, because we can only hope, we can only hope that they're, they're competing by 2020. You know, we've all talked about 2020 being a year where maybe they could compete. It might be more like 2021. It might be a couple of bad years. I don't think you up. can look at 20 at this point. Right. No. Uh, with, I don't think you can. Far away some of these no. prospects are. And, you know, this year is going to be rough. You know, we haven't had a chance because we weren't on the pod last week to talk about Curtis Granderson and Neil Walker signings. Uh, not that they're necessarily going to be very productive players, but at least guys around the ball club that'll be helpful when you see young guys like Lewis Brinson coming up and, you know, Neil Walker with some infielders. But it's not like they're free agent signings that are necessarily going to make a giant impact in the lineup. Right. And, and, and again, um, you know, I, I don't have a huge problem with the direction that, that they're going here. When you're rebuilding, you have to tear it all the way down to build it back up. Uh, maybe there was a point early in the offseason where some of these trades were looking like a major league piece coming back in return. That just didn't really make any sense. They got right. Alfaro, and that's fine. But what major league piece was going to make a significant difference on this team? I have no idea. Exactly. Uh, I know, Jeremy, there's a lot of, of uh, fans of the Braves who are listening to this, too, because they want to know what really ended up happening here. And even potentially with the Padres, there's always that story of the trade and then the story of the back trade, the backstory of the trade. Mm-hmm. And, and in the end, I'm not really sure what the, uh, you know, what the Braves' plan was or is at this point. Uh, you know, to me, the way that I view this is a couple of different ways. First of all, I thought the Braves should have been all in on this player. Uh, They obviously made some effort, but not enough to acquire JT. They did, according to my sources, uh, have Austin Riley as a piece in this deal. The Marlins valued the deal more with Philadelphia because it gave them Alfaro and it gave them uh, the extra piece there. And I don't believe that the Braves are willing to go any further than Riley. In fact, I don't think they offered a top 100 guy at all to the Marlins beyond Riley in this deal. So this is why they took the deal. But I think as a Braves fan... You have to ask yourself, and we'll get to see uh, JT now with Philadelphia. We see a lot of the Braves. And look, the Braves may very well be a good team without him. But the question that you have to ask yourself is, when these rumors came down yesterday, when uh, Joe Frasaro put out there about uh, Sixto Sanchez having to be in the deal with Philadelphia, that was shocking to me. I didn't think that they would include him. But when I saw that, I thought to myself, okay, now the Braves are going to call the Marlins, and they're going to uh, up their ante and they're going to get the deal done. This is, as, right. as, as, as la- this is last night we're talking about. I thought that was going to happen. And it didn't. And so it was their choice to stop where they did. Whether or not you agree with that, that's completely up to you guys who are listening, whether you're a fan of any of the teams that are involved. But my point is, is that a couple of things you could have accomplished. You could have blocked Philly from getting them. That's first of all. He's in the same division. Phillies are obviously going to be good this year. Maybe as good as the, Bra- as good as the Braves are better, possibly. And secondly, that has got to be painful when, when Real Muto is throwing out Acuna and Albies on the base paths. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I just, I'm just very surprised that it ended up being in the NL East and it didn't end up being the Braves. So, as I said on Twitter, 
I really thank all the people from uh, the Braves fan base who followed me and followed this process. And I know that it must have been very difficult for a lot of people to show loyalty to me when I don't even cover the Braves on a daily basis and, and kind of question, like, where's this guy coming up with all this stuff? Why is he the only one that's always saying the Braves? But in the end, you got to understand that I've been doing this for a long time and uh, different sources uh, around the league will give me information and tell me things. And I really did genuinely think in the end he would be on the Braves. So that's on me, certainly. And uh, whether or not you want to fault the Braves for doing it or not doing it, I'm not here to decide that. But I just wanted to end with that. Uh, as far as the Reds are concerned, they were not willing to give up uh, uh, Senzel uh, in any deal. And then they were not willing to put India with uh, Taylor Trammell in the same deal. So that eliminated right. the Reds. And then they pivoted to Philadelphia. I'm not sure that San Diego was really a, a possibility. Uh, they, they had talked and stuff, but I don't know that that was strong. And then L.A. had moved out of the picture a couple weeks ago. And then uh, the Tampa Bay was kind of hanging around there. So the teams that I mentioned, Jeremy, were really the ones that were there. It was right. Philadelphia. It was Atlanta. It was Cincinnati. And I'm not sure. I mean, you could have put Cincinnati ahead of Atlanta and like who finished second. I'm not right. really sure there. But I think in the end, it was really those three teams that had the best shot at him. And Philadelphia offered the best player amongst right. all the teams in this, this uh, auction. Right. At the end of the day, that's what it came down to, was they, they offered up the best player. Like you that said, was it. Riley was offered, offered, but you couldn't get Senzel from the Reds. You got Sixto Sanchez, who, you know, Man, as a 20-year-old, some of the I've been, you know, looking at some of these highlight reels that that are out there on the internet. My goodness, he's got some stuff. So he does, he does. He hasn't pitched a lot of innings in the minor leagues, so that'll be something that's interesting. It's really great that the Marlins are not counting on him this year. That's that's a really important factor here. They could just park him in Double A AA or Triple A for the whole entire year and let him develop, right. and then let him let him make his major league debut in 2020. The Marlins actually have some pitching. It's the hitting that could be an issue, but they have some pitching. So. I, I think that's perfectly fine. As soon as this trade went down, I started getting some texts. And uh, one of them was from somebody who told me very interesting about Sixto Sanchez is that uh, he, uh, to, to, to a lot of people, he reminds them of Jose Fernandez. Wow. And, and, and Sixto Sanchez growing up really admired Jose Fernandez. And that was something that I was caught off guard by hearing, but I figured oh. I would bring that to the podcast here. Uh, so that certainly caused for optimism in terms of how Fernandez pitched. You don't ever want to comp a player to another player to that degree. I don't like doing that. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was brought up to me, so I figured I would, I would bring it up here on the podcast. A lot to be excited about with this kid. Jeremy, there's no question about it. Any final thoughts as we wrap up on, on this trade? I know we'll, we'll probably have a little more coverage on it going forward as we dip into you know, FanFest this weekend and then spring yeah. training and pitchers and catchers. But any final thoughts on this specific episode? Um, you know, I, I just, I think that the country is going to realize how good JT is at this point. And that's, look, he wasn't going to resign with the Marlins, so they had to trade him. And I get that. It just, it was never going to happen. But people, I have said that I think there is a chance this guy could be the MVP of the NL this year. Like I, I could see it happening. I could see three years in a row and ex-Marlin winning it. What I know that nobody wants to hear that, but I do think that he is that good. And the other part of this is that he can play other positions. Eventually, it's going to happen for him, too. When he's not catching to get a day off, he can play first base. It would not shock me to see him play the outfield at some point. And Matt Clintac, the general manager of the Phillies, came out a little while ago and said he's the, you know, they acquired him because he is the best catcher in baseball. Look, Yadier Molina is, is the greatest in the game that's still playing now. 
But JT, as far as the future, who you want to have, that's him. I'll be curious to see if he ends up signing an extension one day with Philadelphia. If not, he'll uh, go on a, you know, a two-year contract and leave. But it is definitely, uh, for me, a little bit you know, bittersweet because I've enjoyed watching him play for so long. Right. And I've uh, got to know him through the years, too. And, uh, and, and that's it. You know, he's gone. So uh, wish him the best in Philadelphia. And uh, Philadelphia, fortunately, I already looked on the spring schedule. They do come to uh, Jupiter one time. So we'll see if he'll end up making that trip. Hopefully I'll get a chance to see him there and celebrate a fantasy football championship. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and if not, I'll see, him in, uh, in, I'll see him in April. But, you know, yeah. certainly here on Swings and Missions, now that this is done, you can expect us to move on from this. And, uh, and we'll get into, you know, next week we'll talk more about Neil Walker and Curtis Granderson and the guys that they've signed and maybe some of the spring battles. And I'll be at spring training a lot. And uh, this chapter, Jeremy, for me, thankfully, honestly, whether, whether I get the story or I don't get the story, I am just happy that this is closed. It's very, very tough having to constantly sit on your phone and wait. And then this morning when I knew that this was going down and I put out that he was going to be traded, it just paralyzed me. It did oh. for the whole day. It just paralyzed me waiting, waiting, waiting. And then I seeing the stories pop up and down and wondering what was going to happen. I am really, I am really happy that this has been put to a close and we can move on to other things. So thank you for everybody who's been following and, and, uh, and pushing me and supporting me for sure. Really, really appreciate that. And thanks to everybody who listened to the podcast also. And we will have, uh, when we're sitting here in October and JT Romuto is an MVP candidate, we're having the oh. same conversation over <laughs> again that we had with Yelich. We'll have a very miserable listenership, but it'll be a great listenership who will continue to listen to us throughout the year. And we appreciate you guys very much. Thanks for, for sticking along. And we will have more uh, Swings and Mishes episodes coming. We're really excited about our spring training coverage as it goes forward. You know, as Craig just said, he'll be all over spring training. I'm going to try to be up there as much as possible. And uh, we'll actually have Dutch up there as well. So we're really looking forward to the, the spring training coverage from Swings and Mishes and Five Reasons. And, you know, thank you guys for, for tuning in today. And we'll have more going forward.